Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just so many good games that we can spend our hobby time and hobby dollars on. It can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to dig into the games that my guests and I love playing. It's to talk about big industry events and the events where we go to play. Now, that last one might be a little thin on the ground these days, but we are thankfully still able to report lots of great, cool new products and games in the gaming industry because though production can be a little skewy under the COVID era, there are still lots of cool things coming up, and man, are they. Now, if I'm going to talk about cool things coming up in the gaming industry, there are few people in the world that I would consider having on for a guest more than this guy. Um, now, when I say he is an old close friend of mine, I'm not just blowing smoke. This is my old roommate at one point, um, slash friend from the old glory days of Games Workshop, Weirdly, the Australian that moved to the U.S. when I moved to Australia, that's right, we are the flip side of the same coin, except he's a much better painter and has a much better haircut. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Dave Taylor. Welcome back, man. Thanks very much. That's uh, I always love the introductions. They're always wonderful. Um, I, I will say that, uh, that while my haircut is better, you are much better looking. Oh, see, that is a bold-faced lie, and you know it. <laughs> I do appreciate it, though, Dave. How are you, man? Good, mate. Good. I'm. I'm uh, glad to be uh, glad to be talking with you again. Oh, now good. it is. It has been a hot minute. I believe it's been close to a year since you've been on Cast Ice, and the last time you were on, it was still, you know, the early days of COVID, and you know, we were talking about what impact this might have on the gaming industry and products coming out uh production in general and wow just life uh but you know yep. now that we are moving on uh you know a year on thankfully in a lot of places life seems to be normalizing um and for the gaming industry that means that you know many of us are getting to play games again um now we in australia uh, have very little COVID if, in fact, we have, I believe, nothing outside of uh, quarantine at the moment across the country. But um, we also don't have any <clears throat> vaccines. But so, you know, we're, we're doing okay. Um, but you have had your second vaccine and you are well on your way towards playing games again uh, in the U.S., What's that like for you, man? I mean, it, it's been what eight, nine months since you've been able to roll dice in anger. Since since the last time I, I did, yeah. Um, I got a uh, I I play in a sort of a weekly well, sorry, a, a fortnightly um, gaming group, uh, and we that gaming group hasn't met since uh, late February, twenty twenty. Wow. But I've also occasionally played um, at, at another friend's house. Um, he's got a huge basement. He has like uh, five or six gaming tables set up. And he would regularly, like once a month, he'd have a Saturday where like 12 people would come over and play games. Mm -hmm. And you along, you get your, your pick of games, basically. Um, and I would go over there like probably four or five times a year. Uh, last year... 
um, as as the numbers were improving for us um, here in uh, Maryland, he uh, decided, okay, well, we'll have, I'll get one person over. So he basically put us on a roster system. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about, uh, so I think maybe uh, like late June, I got in uh, for a game and then uh, had another one in early August. Uh, but basically it was, yeah, we'd play a game in his, uh, in his basement um, wearing, we had our masks and, and that kind of thing. Um and then I was lined up for another one like late September, but then the numbers here in Maryland started to spike. So it was like, uh, we're gonna gonna cancel it. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh he did that like the day before our game. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I totally understand. I'm fine. I'm I'm really I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, I had a game of uh, Bot War and another game of Necromunda lined up for like the couple of days before our last lockdown and it was like everyone's like oh how's that game in Ekramunda? and i went ah oh, never played it happened yeah game um, yep. <laughs> because yeah our numbers went from zero to lockdown very quickly so it was like oh oh we have numbers oh oh i guess we're yep nope okay nope. Nope. Yep. yeah uh, ours are um ours are they haven't been at zero since February, so. Uh, but um, no, we we are at the point now where um, he's ha- has had both shots. Uh, his wife has had both shots, um, and basically, it's only only if you've had both shots and it's been two weeks yeah. uh, for full yeah. full effect, uh, and you're you're still um, social distancing mm-hmm. that you're allowed to go. <laughs> he's invited me over for. Uh, for some games, so I'm excited about that. Um, it uh, it will be good because it's it's one of those things. It's like I, I want a game, but I don't want to risk anybody. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you're um, you have a family. You know, as much as we want a game, there's nothing more yeah. important, right? And I want all those guys to be able to, uh, to. I want them to be around a game with. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's let's talk a little bit then, because the last time you were on, you were talking about your incredible Chaos Knight. When I say Chaos Knight, I mean the 40K version, the giant stompy robot version uh, army yep. that you'd put a lot of time and effort into and looked incredible. Um, now, you're probably half-painted an army in the introduction to this podcast, um, which does <laughs> beg the question, what have you been painting in the last nine months? Because... Uh, I do know that there's been a lot of burnout um, for people, but you also have a regular painting show on YouTube. So I assume you've been painting. Uh, if so, what? And what's been going on with your hobby, man? Um, for my personal hobby stuff? Yeah, I've, um, I've painted... Uh, once I finished the Chaos Knight army, I um, it was like, oh, I've got that uh, Kill Team Rogue Trader box. So I'll grab those mm-hmm. yellow pots guys and i'll i'll paint those up because they look really cool so that's like the they're just the weirdest assortment of pseudo nogal models mm-hmm. so i could mess around with um some nice color schemes there and mm-hmm. um and then uh then i was like you know what maybe maybe i'll just put together a um like an actual kill team of uh death guard guys mm-hmm. so um i did that and i kit bashed some um the Blood Bowl Nurgle's Rotters. Uh, Brilliant. 
along with um, some other other bits and pieces and some like Age of Sigma, Blight Kings, and that sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, these all I'm really happy with these. These, these turned out great. Um, maybe I'll just do another squad. I've heard you say stuff like that before, and that's usually <laughs> where armies happen. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at like three thousand points later. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I've got um, I've I've painted quite a bit more Nurgle stuff since then. Um, I was working around the old codex, and then it was like, oh, there's going to be a new codex coming. So okay, well, I'll I'll keep I'll keep building stuff because I'm sure mm-hmm. it's all going to be in the new codex. Uh, lo and behold, it was. So. Um, yeah, so generally I'm just re- actually no. One of the things that wasn't, I painted a whole bunch of uh, plague bearers and uh, nurgling bases. Oh no! And they're not in the new codex, so it's like uh, I guess I'm gonna have to do a nurgle demon army. Now. I was about to say, and so and that and Morgan Freeman says in the background, and that's when Dave started a demon army. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got that. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think what else did I paint after that? Um, in the, have you had a look at the Gene Stealer Cult Konex at all? A little bit. Um, I, I haven't played 40K in a long time, but I did love Gene Stealer Cult in, uh, well, Gene Stealers in general in, you know, Rogue Trader, Space Hulk, uh, slash 40K Second Ed. Uh, in fact, I had a, a Gene Stealer Cult army uh, at one point, uh, way back when, but it was less cult, and it was that weird spot where gene stealers were just being folded back into Tyranids, but it was in a it was in a weird. Uh, I think it was the end of Rogue Trader White Dwarf article that gave you like this weird list, and so it was very gene stealer heavy and had like chaos guys or sorry, um, like cultists in it. But I think there was a chaos feel to it because I think I had chaos space marines. It was very Rogue Trader. Um, okay, but I love the aesthetic and when they brought them back i and the new models are just outstanding um yeah Uh, a friend of the show of course brian cook has been painting his for quite a while and so i follow his painting and my god his are gorgeous i haven't uh, i haven't seen brian's but i'll have to check them out but uh yeah in the um in the codex so they have um there's a it's like a double page spread of all these so they have they have like uh, i think they're like six different primary cults mm-hmm. so they rusted what is it rusted cog i uh, know mm-hmm. uh yeah bladed no bladed cog rusted claw uh pauper princes that kind of thing but there's another double page spread that they've got where it's um like th- maybe five or six columns of um minor cults or just mm-hmm. odd like a, a picture of a, like a, the torso like from the torso up of a uh, cultist and then there's a description of it and there's one there which is just um it's this cultist with his head thrown back and sort of blood dripping into his mouth and it looks really it looks very brutal and then you read the story about it and it's like the cult of the inner worm and these guys um they've infiltrated an agri world and they they're the, basically the they work in the slaughterhouses uh, so they have all these big, massive bovine creatures come through and they um, slaughter them and they stitch up um, like gene stealers into the like, into the cavities. Oh, that's grim. Uh, and, and ship them out to other worlds so that these gene stealers can start new cults um, all over the place. But they've uh, it's like 
I wonder if anybody's done any of that sort of sort of thing. And I'm sure that there are a few people out there who have built an inner worm army. But then I decided like the corpse grinder cult models from um, Necromunda. Yes, of course. They would be perfect for that because they're already butchers. Yep. So you've got all those um, all those awesome axes and that kind of thing. And it's amazing how easy it was to um, A stick a like Gene Steeler cultist head into the into the torsos and then add an extra arm uh, <laughs> that's not something you hear every day and add that no, extra arm super simple to add that extra arm um so yeah so i added probably another like 40 odd gene sealer um hybrid cultists to my uh to my gene sealer army that's which awesome. is pretty cool i did that uh what else have i been doing been doing some commission work uh, a little bits here and there Finishing off some uh, trolls for uh, a buddy of mine. Um, doing a few uh, a few more Death Guard models for him. Uh, that uh, Chaos Knight army mm-hmm. um, that we talked about last time. Um, I'm building a table, like a, a, a set of terrain, really. Yeah. A table for the terrain to go with that because those bases had had them sort of cutting their way through a um, through a city city mm-hmm. now i was wondering if you were doing that would that be a four by six that you would that because i've heard you talk about um building the terrain for that army on another podcast but it made me wonder is that going to be a regular four by six given how large those models are or are we making and albeit we all want to play godzilla in tokyo would you want to um how big is tokyo i guess is the question in that particular context yeah um, no, I think um, you know definitely. I'll build it for a, a six by four um, kind of thing. It's probably going to cover about twenty five. Um, so when I push all of it together, it'll be like one foot by worth of stuff, or yeah, two, three kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I sort of went along and. Check that. Uh, basically, like, we were talking about COVID and uh, supply line issues and that kind of thing. It was like there was a surprising lack of um, terrain in my available in my local store, and they couldn't get it from GW. So it was like, what can I find on eBay? What can I find on Amazon? Mm-hmm. Who can I buy individual sprues from? Yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, in the end, I found a found a bunch of stuff. I've got. It's probably about. Uh, Half, it's all assembled, half painted. Um, I gotta get get back, but uh, yeah, having fun doing that as well. Sweet. So, trying to obviously stay busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I was gonna say I think I've painted, uh, and I've had an extremely prolific year. I think I've painted like thirty infantry models in a vehicle this year. <laughs> Compared oh. that to what you've just said, <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never compare to what anybody else is doing. Exactly about- right about comparing it's about uh did you have fun doing it yeah and also celebrating what you have accomplished and uh that is definitely the important thing especially since everyone's painting during lockdown and whatnot you really do need to be good to yourself and say you know don't guilt yourself these things are supposed to be a hobby right and um, fun not you know stress you out which is something that i may have struggled with from time to time but It can be tough. We can put a we can put a lot of pressures on ourselves for sure. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, as long as, if we can always come back and, and realize, nope, this is going to be fun. And it's not fun. Yeah. Just switch up half a minute. Well, there's also the, I mean, a lot of us like to paint to schedules. We paint towards yeah. achieving things for events. And if one thing's been consistent in the last 12 months, there's been almost no events, depending on where you live. So there's been very little reason to keep the grind up. I mean, one of the big payoffs, if you're an event player, uh, is, is seeing your friends. It's getting out there. It's being social. And when you don't have that to look forward to, when you're not trying to paint something to get it done so that you can put it on the table and, you know, I, I, don't, want, I don't say show off in a negative manner, but like, hey, check out what I got done. Um, yeah. it, it's hard to keep that momentum up at times, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, you're, um, you're completely right there. The, it's about... Um, yeah, if, if you're in that, if you've been working to that kind of approach previously, um, there, are, I, I mean, I've done that a lot before um, myself. And yeah, even this past 12 months, it's been, well, I want to paint them up and I know that I'm going to play them, but it'd be so much, I'd feel so much better if I knew exactly when I was going to play with them. Yeah, right. Or even had a vague <laughs> inkling. Yeah, just like, if somebody just could just say like July, July, you're going to play with these, Dave. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'll, I'll settle for like a three. Can I, can I get fall? How about, how about spring can, season? Yep. Yeah. 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 I, um, I stepped away from competitive play at one point and, um, without going to events anymore, I all of a sudden hit this weird spiral of not, knowing what to paint next. And, and as, as I said before on this podcast a thousand times, I'm an adult with attention deficit disorder. And I don't say that lightly. I am. Um, I, I haven't been medicated since I was a kid. Um, I do have strategies to deal with it. However, um, you know, there are things that make it, you know, I do suffer, uh, especially as an adult from the Ooh, it's a castle uh, goldfish syndrome where I look at something and get really excited. And so that meant that I was painting a handful of models for a game and then moving on to the next one, moving on to the next one, moving on to the next one. Because I never had the uh, impetus to, to, to actually get something completely finished. Um, but I think in recent years I've settled that. And now I'm, you know, trying to rein that in a bit. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. you look at this podcast, it's all over the place gaming wise. And people, you know, often accuse me of <clears throat> helping them make some buying choices in, you know, in that they end up buying a lot of things because they listen to the show. Um, but I'm the biggest Indeed. victim of that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so for me, I guess it, it, it really has been uh, in recent years, it's been focusing in and make sure that I have a goal to work towards. Um, and I guess that was one of the focuses of your first book. Um, let's segue to what you've accomplished professionally. Now, you help gaming companies out in a huge variety of manners. You're sort of a, a, a consultant, a jack of all trades. You help them with Kickstarters. You help them with websites. You help them with content creation. You help them, you know, by painting models. You are sort of the the... The man behind the scenes who helps out a lot of smaller and in some cases larger game companies uh, put out the the products that they make, right? Yep, yep. That's uh, that's definitely what I've been doing over the last. Uh, oh my God, it's seven years now. Yeah, I know. Seven, almost seven and a half. 
I had yeah. it down for six, but yeah, I, I assume you would know better than me. I was looking at my notes, going, "It's been a, it's been a while. You've been doing this successfully for quite a long time." Um, and yep. for example, you you're on a regular YouTube channel, um, painting the oh, it's not oh painting painting happy little minis. Yeah, I I was like, no, is the happy actually in? Yes, it is painting happy little minis. Um, I was thinking I made a mistake there, but no, it but it's a great show. It's really positive, and it looks towards other uh you know other gaming lines you, you look at miniatures from a ton of games um and i've watched your stream just to see what the models look like when i'm preparing for this show sometimes um okay so yeah i'm i'm a huge fan um i guess talk to us a little bit about that show and what people can get from that because i enjoy it but what i mean the purpose really is to celebrate um both miniature painting and the strategies that you use to do it right yeah. Yep. Very much so. Um, we, it's basically, uh, so game trade media, are the, um, kind of the marketing arm of Alliance game distributors, mm-hmm. uh, here, uh, in the U S um, they're one of the largest distributors. Uh, and the idea with the show is that I mean, the, the broad strokes idea behind it is that we paint miniatures of products from products that, uh, Alliance distributes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but yeah, when it when you sort of dig a little bit more into it, it is much more that um, it's celebrating painting miniatures. It's uh, talking about the strategies that uh, that we use to achieve that. Mm-hmm. Um, my co-host is uh, Gretchen Saddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gretchen, when did Gretchen first? I think Gretchen first painted on the show about two and a half years ago. Yeah. Uh, and when I say first painted, that was the first time that she painted a miniature. Oh, I didn't uh, realize that. Yeah, she hadn't. She had, didn't come from a world of sort of miniature painting before she mm-hmm. started um, on the show. Uh, she had painted. Uh, she'd done a lot of watercolor painting yeah. beforehand. Uh, she's painted with on canvases with acrylics, and um, I think she's messed around with oils a little a little bit as well. But uh, yeah, she she sort of came to the the show like I haven't done this before. Um, so what we've got is we basically have that um, dynamic of, oh, certainly for, for quite a while, we had the dynamic of, of me as the subject matter expert and Gretchen as the uh, beginner. Um, but the way that we've sort of worked through it, uh, I, I pretty much know as much as I used to know. So I haven't mm-hmm. learned too much. Um, I still have my, my same approaches and that kind of thing. Uh, but Gretchen uh, has done a lot of um, experimentation um she's she's messing around she she doesn't she's not shackled by the same things that i i sometimes mm-hmm. find myself habits mm-hmm. like this is an orc it must be green yeah or um this is an ultramarine it's going to be blue or this is a whatever yeah uh, so but so gretchen's like completely free to to go well i want this to be like a uh this dragon to be like a rainbow fish dragon yeah. like the story the rainbow fish story yeah oh, okay I, I don't know that story. So in the on the show, she'll tell the story and we'll she'll paint the the dragon so that it has that same sort of uh, I, that same sort of vibe. Um, and we always sort of uh, sort of mess around and we um, talk about what's going on in our our lives or what we've been watching on TV or um, whatever it might happen to be. Um, but we always try to push each other with mm-hmm. what we're, what we're painting or how we're painting it or if we're a bit unsure about where to go next, the other one will offer advice. 
Um, and the great thing is, because it's a, a live stream, we have a great um, audience as well who jump on the chat and um, enjoy the fun with us. So it's definitely uh, definitely cool. We have a, a like a little Facebook uh, community. We've got uh, almost two thousand people on that, um, and the people who have who are at a sort of variety, just like a very wide variety of sort of places on their miniature painting journey, um, and our, our focus really is just to be positive. Everything we, we're not we're not there to be negative about anything at all. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, well, I have watched a fair bit, um, and I, and I, but I love that it feels like a conversation between friends that you can join in on. It's one of the reasons why I like podcasts yep. with um, hosts that have good banter, because it is really like being in their conversation. And you guys keep that conversational tone throughout. But I hadn't realized that, uh, you know, Gretchen, when she started, had that sort of newer painter role um and as you say she's clearly knows her way around a paintbrush um but again i love that and it's one of the things we try to do on this show is there's enough negative you know opinions on the internet from time to time uh and so i love that you guys have the same sort of philosophy uh which is you know you talk about the things that you are fans of and the things that you aren't well you know other people can talk about that because yeah. heaven forbid that you're not passionate about something that someone else is. You know, I, I don't want to dissuade someone from playing a game just because it's not my cup of tea, for example. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and you guys have the same mentality, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're um, we're definitely. I, it, I think when people watch uh, the people who watch us and the, the people in now in the Facebook group are um, pleasantly surprised that that if we don't know something about what they're, what they've painted or what they're talking about or what they're excited about. We'll ask the question, what's that? Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is uh, it's, it's from this or it's from that or um, whatever it happens to be. But uh, it's definitely, definitely cool. Um, it is a, it is a lot of fun. Um, and over the last year, we've been able to do it from, do a lot of the shows, a lot of the episodes from home, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it, it, in general, it's been it's been really good. We used to do it uh, used to be in the afternoons, like a, we used to do a Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. Um, then we switched things up and moved from a like a one hour show to a two one hour shows to a one two hour show mm-hmm. uh, on a Thursday afternoon. And then uh, Gretchen got a full time job as a um, lab assistant, so. Uh, we moved it to Thursday oh, for, for East Coast US Thursday e- evening. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you probably catch it on Friday morning. But you guys, all, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've seen has been on YouTube. So you guys do yep. post portions of episodes at least, right? Yeah, yeah. It um, no, basically it runs from uh, we we stream on uh, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Yeah, simultaneously. And then, uh, yeah, post post that the episodes go up on uh, YouTube. So for those of us in Australia, you can still watch Dave and Gretchen paint. Yeah. <laughs> so it's painting yeah. happy little minis. I did get that right in my notes. It was one of those yeah. moments where you go, "That wait, is the happy part of that?" But it is. Um, awesome. Well, Dave, yep. I do want to get to 
the really exciting news for you that's been going on. Now, a long time ago, you came on to talk about uh, your first big published book, which was yep. Armies, Legions, and Hordes, uh, which always makes me want to say, oh my, at the end, lions, tigers, yes. and bears, <laughs> which is literally my favorite wargaming hardback resource book, or any, sorry, hardback, leave that out, my favorite wargaming research uh, tabletop, whatever book, um, which is literally uh, talks about the process of army building, or it, it could even be warband building for skirmish games. And it, it yep. talks about your journeys in and how you plan and how you manage um, these projects that you undertake and how, you know, we as gamers can approach the projects that we tackle so we can get things done and not burn out. Um, but whenever I'm feeling to burn, it's one of my first, my hand is on that book because it, it inspires me every single time. Um, but recently, of course, we also had Mel Bowles on to talk, the, the terrain tutor, to talk about terrain essentials. And of course, we talked about you a lot, Dave, sorry. Um, <laughs> but again, a wonderful resource. Um, yeah. So you've had two really successful Kickstarter projects um, through your own publishing company, but now you're going big. You, I guess two isn't enough. Um, we're, we're, going for <laughs> f we're going from two to five. Uh, we're so with the new project, you have a Kickstarter that's now live. It's called yep. the art of, um, and it's not just painting. Uh, it's three separate tomes. Uh, and the project is already double funded on Kickstarter. So we're well into stretch goals. Talk to us about what the art of project is all about, because there's a lot of names in here and I want to make sure I don't get them wrong because they're big names and the, just the quality of what this is going to be in these books looks awesome. So please tell us about the art of. Sure thing. Um, so the art of is, um, is going to be a series of books. Uh, these are the, just the first three volumes of it. Um, I've kind of wanted, there's so many, so many miniature painters that I like, and it, it's, it's a run on from the painting happy little minis thing as well. Um, I think it, that's one thing that comes across in painting happy little minis is that uh, even though I have my particular style and I have the miniatures that I like painting, um, there are so many other miniature painters who do wonderful, innovative, creative stuff that I would never think of in a million years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I when, I, when I see their work, it's like, Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, I love that. I want to know more. I want to ask questions about why did you do that? Or what inspired you to do that? What, why how does your mind work <laughs> kind yeah, exactly. of thing I, I want to know those things um no for no particular reason just because i'm curious uh and it very rarely does it sort of impact my own painting but uh at the same time I, I really enjoy talking with painters about what they do and how they did something and and what they're proud of and um all that sort of stuff uh so when i I was thinking, I've been thinking about it and it's like, okay, well, there are, there are only so many sort of how to books that you can do. Um, working with Mel for the terrain essentials book was, was sort of a no brainer. That's a, a, a great terrain book has been lacking on the market for a long time. Great. Uh, there are other sort of how to books that you could do that are, you could maybe do like a how to beginner book for painting or a, a how to 
sort of journeyman level and a how to sort of master level. Um, but there aren't a lot that you can, there aren't, there isn't any, it's like an unending scope for uh, how to kind of books. And so I wanted to have something that I could do for a long time. I wanted to do basically job security, uh, yeah. but, um, but at the same time provide a, a sort of valuable set of like, I wanted to help people, which is kind of what I, what I like to do. I like to help people. And there are some artists out there, uh, fantastic miniature artists like um, uh, Alfonso Geraldes or um, Banshee. Uh, most people know him as mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, Angel Geraldes, um, Roman Lepat uh, are all people who have put out fantastic books on their on their own miniatures work, uh, but not not all of the the artists that I love have that um, sort of capability. Yeah. So I wanted to wanted to start this one with with people that I knew, artists that I've I've loved for a long time, uh, and offer them the the opportunity to sort of jump on board with me for this um, sort of big experiment. Uh, so the art of books are going to be uh, books that feature their art, uh, feature their processes, uh, talk about their influences, their history, their like what brought them to create these particular pieces of art. Um, and I, I, I've sort of picked some people as well who not only approach their miniatures as art, but also the way that they present their miniatures. Yeah. Um, each the, like the photo photos of the miniatures could be art themselves, kind Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of kind of the approach. Um, so I think my what I want to do to be able to tackle as many people as possible along the way is uh, maybe add three more books each year to this series. Oh, nice. One of the things that I've um, likened it to is a little bit like uh, an Osprey series, like the Os Osprey Man at Arms series, mm -hmm. for example, has been going for like, 40 years or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's up to like 260 books. So um, something like something like that would be awesome. I think it'd be such an incredible resource uh, for um, for people to know, OK, oh, I'm thinking about. I really like looking at pictures of miniatures in this style. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to find three or four books in the art of series that, that match that, you can grab those and you can learn from them um, and start working on sort of adapting your own style or whatever it might happen to be. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's a big, very much a big picture thing. Um, but it comes from that, that same starting point as when I was working with Mel, it's like, I want to help people, in a particular way. So with that, I wanted to help Mel put out a book and I wanted that book to help people make terrain. So this one is, I want to help these artists put out a book and then help have that book help inspire people. So, um, yeah, it's just that, that nice sort of cyclical thing. And, and yeah, I, as we talked about, or as, um, you know, Mel might've mentioned, um, that the terrain essentials project was pretty rough um, because Mel had a lot of uh, health issues along the way. And then of course, COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I could have sort of stepped back from that and gone, 
uh, this was too hard. Um, it was it was harder than it should have been, for sure. But um, I always like to say that I don't make the same mistake twice. Exactly. Um, I, I like to learn from my mistakes and then go ahead and make completely different mistakes. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but improve uh, along the way. Exactly. Yeah. You keep improving. You, you, if the more you improve, the smaller you can make those mistakes. Right. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm intending to do with this and, and working with five different artists to make three different books uh, felt like the right way to go about that. Yeah. And these these are significant tomes. I mean, we're talking what high quality hardcover art books, hundred twenty eight pages each. Uh, it's one hundred twenty eight pages for the um, for the miniature monthly. Oh, okay, that's uh, that's three artists. That's Aaron Lovejoy, Elizabeth Beckley, and Matt DiPietro. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a, at the moment we've got that scheduled for one hundred twenty eight pages. Um, yeah, it's hardback. Uh, so. To compare that to like a Games Workshop Codex, mm-hmm. it's probably it, for most of them it's about fifty percent larger. Um, it may be about the same size as the Space Marine Codex, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's usually mostly those codexes are around 80, 80 pages. Yeah. So that's right. I'm uh, seeing here that the other two books, Volume Two and Three, are roughly a hundred pages, ninety six pages. Yeah, ninety six pages. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's for uh, Christoph Kyle uh, is volume two and Anna Polanschuk uh, uh, is volume three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do have to apologize to Christoph uh, for the longest time I've been saying Christoph Kiel, mm. uh, but I was wrong. It's well, <laughs> I thought it was Kiel too. So, yeah, yep. it's Kyle. Yep. Okay. It's Kyle. Yep. Nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's 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 great. I mean, I've been following uh, Christoph's work for for years, and Anna's since her blog started about eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're both people. I mean, Christoph converts miniatures in the forty k world, and so that's what good, I right. That's that's kind of my my hobby is that as mm-hmm. well. But the the levels to which he takes it, or the his ability to see a shape and turn that turn that shape around and turn it into something else it's almost like um if he's looking for a um like for a domed helmet like i'll be looking at something every i'll be looking at everything the right way up and trying to find something that looks like a dome Mm -hmm. but he will see something that's a dome regardless of which way it's sort of shaped yeah um that's not a particularly good explanation but uh but he can he can spot shapes in in all sorts of parts. Uh, and he, he really doesn't like working with green stuff. Um, I'm, I'm fine with working with green stuff, mm-hmm. but it means for him, he'd much rather sort of spend a little bit of extra time finding the perfect part and then refining that part, um, through like very fine strokes of the file to re- remove like just a little arc. So it sits perfectly against another piece of armor. Um, it's just incredibly impressive the way that he works. Well, that's, uh, and the, the, that's the thing when you look at his work. You, it looks like it's been... Um, look, we've all done some kit bashing. And when I kit yeah. bash, you know, I've had some successes over the years, and I've had some that don't. But 
generally you can look at my models and you can look at a lot of people's models by extension and go, oh, I that's cool, but I can see where that comes from, that comes from, that comes from. Yeah, yeah. I look at his, and when I look at yours, Dave, I often go, I don't know where he got that. Did he sculpt that <laughs> or didn't he? And it's not until you post the work in progress shots before you prime them that I go, I know exactly where he got that or... Okay, that looks familiar. Oh, he sculpted that bit. Oh, I'm not sure about that bit. But when yeah. I look at Kristoff's stuff, my God, like I really struggle to figure out where his stuff comes from. Um, yeah. Because he has done such a beautiful job of pulling the pieces out of other parts to create models that look, that have the flow of something that was purpose built, sculpted by the original artist, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, he's a, uh, I will, I will mention this here. He's a um, blacksmith by trade. Mm. Um, and, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't, he's not a farrier. He doesn't spend his day making horseshoes and shoeing horses. And he, he doesn't um, do the, the forged in fire thing with, uh, of making knives. He works, um, he's a blacksmith. He works with an artist uh, creating sort of enormous metal, like enormous steel sculptures. And when I say enormous, I mean, these things could be like five, six meters tall. Oh, wow. Uh, but whenever they, they, they'll put things together, they'll work on it, like almost the final pieces and they'll put them together and then they'll, they'll just trim a little bit off the end there. Yeah. And that little bit off the end there might be five millimeters. And you're like, oh, okay. So mm -hmm. is attention to detail and level of refinement is incredible. So, um, yeah, it was, it's kind of, I, I've loved his work for ages and it was kind of like a no brainer for, to ask Christoph to be, uh, to be involved in that sort of from the start. Yeah. But, uh, that's me gushing over Christoph's work. Nice. <laughs> I should go back to everybody else's work as well. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about volume one. Um, because we did start with that and those are the artists from miniature monthly. Um, now yeah. that includes Aaron Lovejoy, Elizabeth Beckley, and Adam D. Pietro. Now these uh, are all the artists. Matt. Sorry, yeah. what did I say? You said Adam. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Uh, it is Matt. Sorry, I don't know why I said that. No, it is Matt D. Pietro. Uh, I may. Have I think you mentioned you had a you had a D. Pietro student before. <clears throat> I bet you. His name was Adam. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to confirm or deny that because I'm a teacher and we're not supposed to talk about students. But I have taught three D. P. D. Pietros <laughs> over the years. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, just the, they, you know, so, well, it's one thing to talk about Christoph and what he brings to the table, which is incredible. Yep. Um, yep. with this book, you have three separate artists with three separate yep. skill sets and you're bringing them in. It makes sense. It's a bigger book, but, yep. um, wow. I mean, just looking at some of the work of these people, um, just the skin tones in particular, um, I was looking at Elizabeth stuff and then how to paint chibis and how that's different from regular quote unquote miniature painting. Um, yeah. wow. So talk to us a little bit about how you got together with these guys, um, and, and what to expect in that book. Sure. Sure. Um, miniature monthly is a, um, they, they're a team. The three of them are a team. They have a Patreon, uh, they do video tutorials, uh, on a whole range of things. I think they're closing in on about a hundred videos at the moment. Um, but, uh, they also do, they teach at conventions. They do, uh, online classes. Uh, they do private coaching. Um, they spent a lot of time over the years 
talking about painting and talking to other painters and um, working out how to best deliver instruction as well. So um, because uh, but at the same time, it, all three of them have have a different approach. Yeah. So they didn't, they didn't get together and go, OK, we're going to create this studio and it's going to there's going to be a studio approach and everything that comes out of it is going to look like this. They didn't want that at all because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work for everybody. Um, they wanted it to be. Um, they have each, each of them have their individual styles and approaches. Mm. So, um, so yeah, as you said, like Elizabeth um, does a lot of um, large, smooth areas of, of skin. Um, she does work with chibis. Um, actually, she's uh, one of the owners of uh, Panda Cult Games. Oh, nice. And they, yeah. Uh, there's a, a game called Wanda, board game called Wanda, which mm -hmm. has got a lot of anthropomorphic uh, animals in there, um, which are very cool. But uh, yeah, they, they, they're the things that Elizabeth's known for, and they're the things she likes, and she focuses on those in her art. Um, Matt um, does a lot of work. Um, Matt's got a sort of a, a, he loves to study the um, sort of the old masters of, of painting mm. and a lot of time working on um, his sort of contrast sketch style, sketch style, um, which is where he, he goes and paints in the values on a miniature, like sketches them in, in like black and white and gray um, over a miniature first before the colors go in. Oh, wow. Just so they know he's got the, the drama happening or the, mm. the focal points are, are sort of right. Um, which is and that sort of underpainting there's a variety of different underpainting sort of approaches and mm. sort of thing that that comes from the a lot of the the old renaissance painters uh so matt's approach is from a very um a very sort of student of history kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, tackling that that sort of thing um and it's like taking zenithal highlighting to make sure that you have your highlights in the right place to an entire different level um yeah yeah amazing <laughs> yep yep it's definitely it's working on that that sort of thing and it's 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 also one of the great things and one of the, the reasons i'm really excited about um, matt working in the book is that his mindfulness the so his the way that he thinks about it all the time it, it's not like he's got to a point where it's like second nature to him so he doesn't he's not conscious of it right um and he just does it he he always thinks about it he's always thinking and he's always looking to adapt and improve and experiment yeah. um which yeah. is very cool so that's um that's something i'm really excited about for the for matt's portion of that book and then uh aaron aaron's been painting for for longer than me i think um and has done painted all sorts of models uh he not only did he put together the miniature monthly crew um he also when he lived in san diego he put together a group called the painters guild and oh, yeah, yeah they did a lot of um like loads of commission work mm -hmm. uh basically people would commission the guild and then the guild would create the the painted the, the finished sort of work so mm -hmm. if somebody um who sort of if they got, like three people came in that day and one of them was really into vehicles, they'd get to work on the vehicles. And 
one of them was really great that busting out infantry they'd bust out infantry but that was something that um that aaron coordinated so even though it's not technically art like well, it's not technically sort of his art it's it's something that he's created and so i'm i've asked him to include that sort of information in the in the book mm. um and but he, he's got loads of great award-winning work um he does spectacular uh freehand work mm-hmm. um, and just just beautiful stuff and at, at the moment he's uh he's doing some studio painting for uh marvel crisis protocol mm-hmm. uh, and he's doing uh studio painting for um flying frog games who do uh shadows of brimstone mm-hmm. uh which is great um elizabeth's done studio painting for kingdom death mm-hmm. Uh, and Matt, of course, used to be a studio painter for uh, Privateer Press. Did a lot of stuff on uh, War Machine and Hordes. That's right. And so um, each of them also has that history of painting for not only for other people, but painting for the companies that make the miniatures that they're painting. So, mm. uh, so it's like, how do you? sort of express yourself on uh miniatures you're doing for other people what what's how do you tackle that kind of approach so um i'm i'm excited about that all, all those aspects are all things that we're going to try and cram into those 128 pages exactly right but uh but yeah it's it's definitely cool i mean i had known when did i meet aaron i probably met aaron in like 2004 2005 um Elizabeth and Matt were probably about 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, I always catch up with them at conventions and check out what they're doing. And uh, I've judged the uh, Capital Palette painting competition at the Nova Open mm-hmm. event um, with Matt. Um, but yeah, always, always good. And they're always great fun. So, Dave, let's talk book three, because we did two, then we did one. Let's go to book three. Book three. Uh, so, volume three, Anna Polanstruck. Uh, Anna is um, uh, probably, probably. I think a lot of people won't expect to see uh, Anna's work, and that's because it's not, um, it's not the super refined uh, work of, uh, like, painting techniques like um, Aaron or Elizabeth or, or Matt, uh, but Anna has the most incredible uh, world building sense and atmosphere creation. Mm. Uh, and it's just a deep, dark, macabre, kind of creepy vibe sort of stuff. It's very much like um, fairy, uh, like folk tales, lo- kids lost in the forest. Um, mm. All of that, uh, that sort of thing is all wrapped up together to these really wonderful, dark, um, visions that she creates and i when i mentioned before about the the people who are taking photos of their miniature art and the photos themselves are art oh yeah anna's very big on this um so uh it's it's amazing stuff but she she does wonderful world building uh she's been creating um her own worlds for for ages and gardens of hakate is her uh her blog that's right and uh she's been working on that for as i said for like almost almost a decade now and as well, she's run um, some great campaign days uh, in in other worlds and other settings that she's invited people along to, so that she can help sort of immerse them in that 
in those worlds. Um, so I wanted, I'm, I'm again, very curious to see, um, to, to like to read what her influences are and what her process is and which way, how does she go through doing all of these things and, and why does she convert her miniatures that way? Or, um, what's with all the, like the horse skulls and, yeah, and exactly. things. Uh, wonder that it, myself. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's always incredibly fascinating to me and I, I, I love it. I really do. Um, each time I see a new piece of work from her, I, I, uh, last year, not last year, year before, uh, she sculpted some miniatures for Harwood Hobbies uh, in Canada, and they ran a Kickstarter, and I, I backed that to the hilt. Uh, I think she has another one coming up, or there's another one coming up soon with her sculpts, and I'm looking forward to that. But um, I really wanted to to do that. I wanted to work with Anna. I wanted to to learn more about her process and and the things that inspire her and influence her. And and I think um, there are a lot of people who might initially go, oh, this is a little bit, but when they read it, it's going to be, they'll, they'll be like, oh, oh, this is really good. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, it, it's, yeah, I, I just love, love her work. It's, and and again, it's different to Christoph's. It's different to uh, Aaron's and Elizabeth's and Matt's. And I'm, I'm really glad that it's, it's all, that all five of those are, are different artists. Exactly. Uh, to, to sort of be able to put forward these, this broad spread of the, the miniatures hobby. Anna in particular's book, I mean, she's the least like the way I would approach painting. Um, but I found, because, and I was the least familiar with her work going into recording this. So when I was doing a little bit of research, I looked at the Garden of, um, how did you say? Hecate? Hecate. Hecate. I did uh, spend quite a lot of time looking at her blog and her website. And it's while it is and i think creepy is a good way to describe it in a very positive manner um it is intentionally off kilter uh and it is it's very it reminds me almost of the same reaction i had to john blanche's work in the 80s when i was a kid like i just wasn't familiar with that kind of art and it just looking at it while i i wouldn't necessarily create something like that um that's just not my wheel my my wheelhouse looking at that and reading some of her comments about her process and looking at her work sort of as you as holistically as you're going through and just it's not just a a picture on instagram you're scrolling past when you're actually looking at you know a theme across her work in general it's incredibly creative and it made me sit back and wonder well, what would work for me? What's my style? What, how could I do something that is more reflective of me? And it really made me consider, you know, myself as as an artist. Um, and not everyone will have that, uh, I guess, reaction. But uh, that's the book I'm most looking forward to, even though she's probably the one whose work I would least represent. Uh, or sorry, would least um resembles mine so to speak yeah but it's just that 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 raw creativity is so contagious that made me go oh god i really want to read more about this um and i'm so glad you included her because that's awesome yeah it's 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 definitely um definitely super cool and i um what did i say 
somebody uh, mentioned it to me and they were like, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to checking out Anna's book. And I said, um, yeah, in fact, for me, Anna's creativity uh, and her style uh, and and certainly subject matter as well uh, puts her up there for me. It puts her up alongside um, Brian Froud, mm-hmm. uh, all of the, the concepting for Labyrinth mm-hmm. uh, and um, Tim Burton. Yes. So it's I imagine that crawling around inside Anna's mind would be much like crawling around in the mind of Brian Froud and um, Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would just be an amazing sort of thing. So it's she has such a strong, strong style that is that makes you want to. You're you're a little bit tentative. It's like you're in the horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you you know you should run, but but there's just that one more thing. I just want to know one more thing. Yeah. It's like watching Pan's Labyrinth. You're like, Oh, 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 I definitely need to know more about this, but do I? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. (laughs) Whatever the consequences may be, I will learn more, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's fantastic. I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, about reading all of her work. And I think in there, we're also going to get some of her, some of the law that she's created as well. So, uh, where it just be about processes and and the photos. It'll be lore that will take you deeper into her world. Nice. But yeah, that's uh, so. There's there's volumes uh, one, two, and three. Now, Dave, we can find out more about this information by going to Kickstarter. And if we go to Kickstarter and we type in the art of dot 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 volumes one through three or Dave Taylor, um, you will find the art of. Uh, now, this does end in. Uh, what, 16 days, uh, 17 uh, days, a little bit over two weeks. Um, but guys, it, it the goal is uh, May 21st, um, yep. and that's Eastern Standard Time. So be sure to get in and check it out before that time. Uh, and the books are really reasonable. Uh, you know, for, for volumes like this, I was expecting to pay a lot more money. It's like $40 per book, uh, US. $40. $40. Um... For the hardback for the miniature monthly, it's thirty dollars each for uh, Christoph's and mm-hmm. Anna's volumes, so volumes two and three. Uh, we have a there's a bundle; it's ninety dollars for all three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, if you wanted to get, uh, you could also there are there's a bundle of just the PDFs, and there's a bundle of the books and the PDFs uh, as well, which is the best deal for for all of them, of course. Yeah, I was looking at that, going one hundred and twenty dollars for three hardback books and the PDF versions that travel with um, yeah. for 120 bucks us. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, definitely super cool. And um, one of the things that I like doing with uh, Kickstarters that I've enjoyed doing with my Kickstarters so far is um, being able to improve the quality of the book mm-hmm. uh, through. So you start with a book and say, this is what it is. This is how it's going to look. This is how it's going to appear. Um, and it's for $40 or $30 in, in these cases. Uh, and help me bring, help me bring more people to this campaign. And I'll be able to make sure that that book you get is worth $60, $70, but you still only pay. I felt like actually felt like the ShamWow guy for a second. <laughs> I was about to say, 
Still and, only got to pay thirty but, bucks. But wait, there's more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is that kind of thing. One of the things yeah. we're doing this this campaign as well is uh, freebies that we're doing. Uh, like every third stretch goal is a freebie, and it's uh, a PDF tutorial. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, very uh, very excited to be able to give away those uh, free PDF tutorials along uh, alongside the books. And they're great, right? Oh, so excited. Yeah. Well, Dave, I'm sorry to say our time is up, but my God, it is always good talking to you, man. Um, I, I, I would say good luck on the Kickstarter, but you've already funded it twice over, so the sky's the limit, right? I mean, having holding uh, your books in my hand right now, these are fantastic, and I can't wait to see more books of this quality, especially at that price point. I literally, for the $120 US price point, I literally got one uh, softback coffee table book recently that just wasn't nearly the quality of this. And you're talking about for three with PDFs. Really, I mean, wow. Again, I'm always in awe of what you take on and what you accomplish. And I'm, I'm looking forward to these and the art of books that are coming in the future, man. Yeah, I'm really stoked. Thanks, thanks very much for chatting, man. It was uh, great talking with you, and and I hope you uh, have a great uh, rest of the day. <laughs> well, we were talking off air of all the things I need to do for work, so I uh, I know that you're uh, carefully tiptoeing around that subject. Um, <laughs> yep. Moving on, guys. Thank you very much for listening. It is always awesome to talk to Dave. Dave, thank you so much for coming on, brother. It is always great to. I mean, literally, it's wonderful to hear your voice and to be able to talk with you and not just hear you. Uh, either on YouTube or other podcasts. Um, Please come back again soon and we can talk uh, hobby inspiration and everything else, man. I'm looking forward to it. Um, That'd be cool. Guys, if you have any questions or requests for the podcast, please go to Cast Dice on Facebook, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. My name is Brad. Uh, You're guaranteed a response. Just give it a little bit of time sometimes. I am on the other side of the world from some of you. It does take a little bit of time uh, for me to sleep once or twice uh, occasionally. But on that note, um, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Good night, guys. Stay safe.